1: You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, welcome everybody to Locked On Lakers. I'm your host, Harrison Fagan. I'm hosting tonight because we have great news on all fronts. Anthony is out. He is not part of this show. And the Lakers won. So those are pretty much the two best things that you can hear going into a podcast. <laughs> but before we get into that, we want to remind you that, as always, you can find our full shows, Locked On Lakers, on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, Stitcher, TuneIn, and in today's Fast Break. That's right, Anthony. I got them All right. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the promo code LOLAKERS to get a $20 rebate on your first ticketing purchase. And uh, SeatGeek is the best mobile application to buy tickets. I just, I always love throwing that out there to remind you guys and to remind Gary, because uh, Gary Kester, I'm joined by SilverStream and Roll Zone. He uh, is not always on the show, so you don't get to hear those SeatGeek promos all the time. So I just wanted to make sure that you know that even. Like If you ever leave Idaho to a place with that has like tickets to things, you usually need to buy tickets to those things. How, how are you doing, Gary? Oh, I was doing
1: pretty good till all that heat you just launched my way, so that's a, that's a shot right to my, my pride.
0: Yeah, I'm, I apologize for slandering your entire state within <laughs> one minute of starting the podcast, but I promise that's the last time I'm going to slander Idaho tonight, probably. Actually, no promises, but I'll do my best. But, you know, Gary, I I brought you on tonight not just because I didn't want to talk to Anthony again after he ditched me for, I believe, four consecutive interviews last week with guests, uh, but uh, other than just wanting to get back at him... I wanted to bring you on because you, you and I have been talking a little bit about this kind of insane Lakers bench. And so, yes, the team went 0-2 against the Warriors last week, but the Warriors might end up being one of the best teams ever once they start to figure out all their mm-hmm. stuff. And they seem to be trending that way. They certainly looked like it last Wednesday against the Lakers. Um, but you and I have been talking about this this superstar bench for the Lakers that has just come in and just massacred other teams opposed second units and they the Lakers won again tonight against Atlanta they broke their losing streak and the it, the bench was a big reason why i thought
1: yeah no it's it, it's 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 kind of weird because the Lakers seem to you know get off to all these slow starts but you know, in years past, in the past couple of years, you would have kind of worried like, oh, great, like, you know, now we have to, you know, dig our way out of this and, and you know, try and climb back from a deficit. But it's like with this group, it's almost to be expected that they start slow and then you don't really worry because the bench has been so good that you're like, oh, once the second unit gets in, like, we'll be fine. We'll get back in this thing. So they've yeah, been really, really
0: reliable. It's like the last couple of years. It's been like like the the starters will get down. And it's like okay, well, let's see who we're sending in off the bench. All right, it's uh okay. It's it's Ronnie Price. <laughs> uh, it's West John. Oh no! This this escalated <laughs> quickly. This this is not going well. This is not going like I hope. But this year, the bench comes in and they come in against other second units and they play ba- and they just dominate them. Uh, you know, and it, you don't have to worry about that. That is interesting, and I, uh, that you don't have to worry about the second unit coming in anymore. It, it's just that hasn't been the case the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and co- I mean, coming into the season, I, I expected the Lakers to be a relatively deep team, you know, to where their their bench could have some some good nights. Because I mean, when you look at their roster, I, I thought they were just much deeper than, especially the last two years. Um, but yeah, just I, the way that they've produced is just. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, really. I just didn't see them being consistently this good, you know, where they've been I mean, they've been, you know, better than a lot of starting lineups in the
0: league. Um, and it's yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, and it's like that they've yes, they've been doing it against opposing benches, but it's not even just the success that they're having, it's how that they're having this success that makes them interesting right it's it, we we all saw kind of this group going into the year and we're like all right well who's if we're playing Lou Williams off the bench and Jordan Clarkson and that's our backcourt who's the point guard and it turns out the answer to that is Brandon Ingram and <laughs> You know, you have like you have your six nine six six nine going on six thirteen small forward <laughs> playing uh, playing point guard. You have Lou Williams playing like uh, like a per thirty six minutes MVP candidate. <laughs> you you have Jordan Clarkson slashing to the basket at will. You have Larry Nance Jr. is kind of the glue guy that keeps it all together, and you have Tarek Black just kind of dunking and uh, dunking everything in sight and protecting the rim. You know, at least adequately nights. And it, it's it, it, the Lakers outsiders account uh, tweeted, I believe it was Grant Goldberg's Photoshop of the Lakers bench as the guardians of the galaxy. And it is kind of an apt parallel. It's just this, it's just this group of weirdos. <laughs> who nobody necessarily wanted Tark Black went undrafted Larry Nance Jr.'s When he was drafted, it was almost universally panned. Jordan Clarkson slipped all the way in the draft. I think Lou Williams was even undrafted. And okay, Brandon Ingram being the second overall pick kind of kills that a little (laughs) bit. But, you know, I guess he's the one exception to that. But otherwise, all these guys are guys that other teams didn't want, didn't value. And they're coming in and they're playing as a reserve – as this fantastic reserve unit for the Lakers. And even Ingram, I guess he got passed over in favor of Ben Simmons. And, you know, regardless of draft stock, no one expected him to produce that much this year.
1: Well, the the thing that I've really loved about Ingram is he's excelled in the areas that not, not really many people talked about in their draft evaluations of him. You know, I mean, in his one year at Duke, he was obviously – really good shooter, really good scorer, could score at an efficient rate. And obviously you had the physical attributes, you know, the height, the length, all that stuff. Um, but what he's really excelled at, I think, is is defensively and just kind of his feel for the game, his vision. He just always seems to be kind of in the right place at the right time. Uh, he gets the spots on the floor extremely well. And, and you know, he, he's basically done everything well but makes shots, which, you know, naturally I think that's going to come in time because he takes good shots too. Um, but I think that's the most encouraging thing is that kind of the stuff that you didn't really know about him because he was, you know, an 18 year old freshman last year. You know, he's just he's performed so well in so many different areas of the game that, you know, it's,
0: I mean, you'd have to think that he's going to be really, really special. Yeah, I don't think that, like we've talked about it on this podcast before, but I don't know that it necessarily gets enough pub nationally because most national guys just kind of look at the scoring numbers for rookies and that's how they dole out rookie of the year and accolades Mm -hmm. and things like that. I just don't think that it gets talked about enough how rare it is for someone to be a plus defensive player in their rookie year. And he's not only a plus defensive player, he's arguably like what, the Lakers' second best, third best defensive player? He might be their best perimeter defender. He's definitely their best perimeter defender. And then, like, overall, I I think I'd only have him behind Nance Jr. and then maybe Mozgov, just kind of depending on the night and the matchup. But other than that, he's been the Lakers' best perimeter defender. It hasn't been Nick Young. It hasn't been Jordan Clarkson, despite all that talk in camp, to kind of pump them up and get them to keep playing defense. And that's not to disparage their defense. Their defense has been good. But Brandon Ingram has been legitimately great on that end. And it's really encouraging to see, even if his scoring is not coming around. And the scoring, I think it's like you said, he's taking good shots. I went back; I haven't went back and re- looked through the tape from tonight against the Hawks yet. But again, he went, I believe, what like three of ten. I think he went, uh, yes, three of three of ten against the Hawks. Mm. And the other night against the Warriors, he went, I think, three of eighteen. So hey, technically, that's improvement. <laughs> and. uh <laughs> Uh, But he took a bunch of his shots at the rim, and he seems Mm. to just be having issues finishing. And uh, sometimes it's not knowing necessarily the right move to finish with. Yeah. Sometimes it's not getting a call because he's a 19-year-old rookie. And sometimes it's a combination of that, and he's just not really strong enough yet to finish through guys at the rim. And I think things are going to start to come around.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the thing with him is that you know, kind of the flaws, I guess, in his game right now are just kind of based on his his youth and his and his inexperience. You know, uh, you know, I think he's never going to be like you know a physically dominant player like LeBron James who can just. Barrel his way to the rim, but you know naturally his body's going to fill out as he grows older and as he you know spends more time in the weight room, and he's going to just learn how to use it better. He's already really good at using his length, especially on defense, because there's been times when guys try and uh, back him down in the post or they try and just drive right at his chest and kind of knock him off balance. But he he does a pretty good job of still staying gathered and and just using that length to really alter shots or block shots. And and you know I, I think he does a really good job with it on that end. I think. On offense, he's still kind of learning how to use it at this level, just because the game's a lot faster, it's a lot more physical, and guys are just better, you know, they just time kind of defensive plays better, but, you know, those things are going to come with time, you know, he's just got to keep getting the minutes, the experience, and, you know, there's just going to come a time where it kind of starts
0: to naturally fall in place, and he starts converting on, on those plays that he attacks the basket. Yeah, and that's, like, the stuff that you mentioned on defense, though he's able to still affect shots even when guys just totally overpower him and knock him off of his spot because his arms, like, I'm not totally – I don't think that he has elastic powers, but if, like, if it came out, like if video came out where people saw his arm actually extending on a play – I wouldn't even be surprised like Michael Jordan on the final <laughs> dunk of space jam. I, I think he probably has that in his arsenal. He's just got to learn to use it over the summer. You yeah, know, right.
1: Like, it's secretly from Looney Tune land.
0: Yeah. I think Brandon Ingram is based on Michael Jordan's character in space jam. <laughs> <laughs> At least his arms are. Uh, I don't, it's insane. His, his wingspan is insane. Uh, well, there's, there's been plays where
1: like he'll grab a rebound and the ball's like near the top of the backboard level. Like it's just insane
0: what his length allows him to do. I still remember that play, that game against the Warriors, when he reached around a screen and tipped a pass (laughs) coming to the guy that he, he, the screen successfully got him off of the guy that it was trying to free up, but his arm still got around and blocked the pass. (laughs) Like it's cartoonish and it's hilarious. And it allows him to like on his jumpers, he's able to get it off over anyone. And hmm. so I, I think that it's going that high release point. Once, once his shot starts to fall a little bit more consistently and we all, all evidence points towards that happening. Hmm. I, I, he's going to be special. I, I really like, I'm convinced he's going to be really, really good.
1: And when it comes to rookies and, and young players, it was kind of the same thing with D'Angelo Russell last year. Cause I mean, his, his shooting efficiency wasn't anything spectacular. I mean, at times it was, but I mean, overall it was, you know, kind of up and down all year. But what I look at a lot of the time with rookies, especially guys that are one and done players, you know, coming to the league at, at the age of 19, I like to try and kind of see, you know, are they able to get to spots offensively that are, you know, effective for them? You know, are the, are they, you know, consistently bumped off their spots and having to, you know, do they just kind of look uncomfortable, you know, when they're trying to score and with Russell and, you know, With Ingram, it's kind of the same thing. I think they do a good job of getting to spots on the floor that they're comfortable taking shots. You know, Ingram had a number of shots today that were really good looks. that just didn't go. And, you know, he seems to do a really good job of that, of taking good shots and getting to spots on the floor that you know that he can make shots. It's just a matter of time before those finally start to fall.
0: Yeah, I think so. So with that being said, do you think he's going to be better than Kevin Durant or the best player in NBA history?
1: I mean, I thought he was – he's already better than Durant. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, we, we saw it against the Warriors. Only only one of them shot 18 times. <laughs> I think just the ability to get those shots is, uh, is pretty special in and of itself. So, I don't know. You'd be – like, I'm not – that's just math that we're pointing out, I think. So <laughs> – But anyway, let's get past the league's MVP so far this year and talk about. uh, And and I wanted to talk about Larry Nance Jr. a little bit because I think that he just, uh, like, he is really underappreciated, I think, by a lot of people. And it's almost become chic to say that. And I think that we should talk about why he's so underappreciated, specifically, but what is he doing? that's so valuable that maybe some more casual fans or people who don't really watch the Lakers might not notice.
1: He just kind of does a little bit of everything really, you know, he's a really smart player. I mean, you kind of expect that a little bit from a guy that, you know, went to to school for four years, you know, he graduated at Wyoming. Um, But I mean, he's just, he uses his athleticism so well that he can play the four or the five. And, you know, sometimes when he switches out to perimeter players, you know, he can defend some of those guys really well, you know, uh, as well. And, you know, he just, like I said, he just does a little bit of everything. He's a pretty good passer. He kind of sees the floor well. he's unselfish. Sometimes I wish he would shoot the ball a little bit more. He seems to pass Or at up least on a
0: it. little bit more confidently. Just yeah. like, just go right up with it rather right. than uh, wait a second and decide. Like, you can see the gears turning in his head where he's like, wait, is it? he still has like that, that scarring from last year's coach a little bit where it's like, <laughs> wait, hold on, is this a bad shot? Am I going to get benched?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, and and that's that's like the only kind of issue that I've I've had with him is that you know there's times where he has a wide open 15 footer, and yeah, he kind of looks to pass first when when nobody's open. It's like Larry, there's you know there's a reason you're you're open because everybody else is covered, so you know to take the shot. But but no, like I said, just does a little bit of everything. He's really effective defensively when the Lakers get out and run. Um, I think you know obviously his dunks are a lot of fun, but just kind of those plays that he's able to make in transition. You know sometimes those can be big. Uh, momentum boosters and and really start start the Lakers off on a run and, and things like that so uh, his his constant energy and his defensive his defensive prowess I think
0: is just consistent enough to where he 's always making an impact on the game yeah and his his individual i 'm not looking at these numbers right now, but his individual defensive rebounding numbers aren't amazing uh, if memory serves, but he does such a good job just making sure that his guy doesn't get the board it's that old cliche mm-hmm. of the team probably rebounds better. I would imagine, while he's on the floor, rather than rather than when he's not.
1: Yeah, no, and he does a, he's, does a good job of kind of just getting in there and keeping the ball alive, even though it might not show up in the stat sheet. You know, there's just a number of plays where he seems to be in the right place at the right time, um, especially when it comes to being on the glass. You know, like, like you said, his rebounding numbers aren't, you know, I mean, like like what Randall was last year. Randall was, like, one of the top
0: rebounders in the league. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was uh, – I always love that. – that. that's always funny when that gets brought, brought up because Randall, he absolutely deserves credit. But some – I mean, uh, he did have it a little bit easier in that Roy Hibbert, I, I think, doesn't necessarily know what a rebound is.
1: Well, it's hard to rebound when you're sitting on, your, on the, on
0: the that's floor. That's true. He would fall down. Yeah, that's true. He, he would get knocked down a lot. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, but, no, but Nance's – and that goes back to just the energy that he brings that I was talking about. It's like that consistent energy. I mean, it just creates extra possessions at times. It creates – I mean, it just creates good things. You know, that's why I think coaches love those type of players because they do a lot of things that don't show up in the stat sheet and, you know, they just do a lot of things that teams need to, to help you win games.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, it's just – it's been the bench as a whole – but I think those two guys really stood out to me against the Hawks. And the other guy, obviously, Nick Young. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Anthony and I have at least. Continued his career resurrection, 6 of 12 from the field. Led the Lakers And Oh, no, actually, uh, Clarkson passed him in scoring by the end of it. But Nick Young had 17 points tonight. And, you know, just continued to his kind of fantasy season, basically. I mean, no one expected this from him. Yeah, I I know you probably didn't, but what I mean, just talk about what you've seen from Nick Young. We haven't seen had you on in a while.
1: I mean, he's he's honestly disappointed me. I expected twenty five per game from Nick Young this year.
0: Oh well and, then. <laughs> no, you know, there was always you know, I mean I should've hung up on you for that. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not just gonna <laughs> let that slide. <laughs>
1: No, everybody, you know, kind of expected, I mean, because there was a lot of reports that, you know, the Lakers were going to try and trade him. And if they couldn't find anybody to trade him to, they were just going to let him go. Um, And so it was really surprising when they kept him. But I think there was always at least a glimmer of hope, just, you know, being in a new offensive system. And I think we thought the same thing with a lot of players. that, you know, just getting out of whatever they ran last year, the train wreck of an
0: offense they had last year. Yeah, I'm not sure that we want to call that an offense. I think that was like a general plan of get Kobe the ball.
1: They were they were, they were like pickup games, yeah. And then you got yeah. that, that one dude that's always calling for the ball. But, no, I think just being in a new offensive system, you know, has helped a number of players. You know, but Nick Young, he, I don't know. It's He seems to be a guy that, you know, he just – if you get him some good looks – all it takes for him is to make one shot. And then all of a sudden his confidence is just through the roof. And, you know, I think they've generated a lot of good looks for him this year, you know, as opposed to last year or just under Byron Scott in general, they, I mean, it was just a lot of one-on-one. It was a lot of ISO ball, not really creating good looks for him. Cause we saw under the one year with uh, Mike D'Antoni, I mean, that was honestly
0: one of his best offensive seasons. Arguably his, I think it was his best until this year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, and it was all, I think, you know, obviously he made shots but I think it was a, a product of the offense as well and this offense has some similarities with that that creates good looks for him and yeah I mean his confidence is is sky high right now and, and I mean you can see it like even when he you know he struggles I mean he's still trying on defense and you know there's there's times where he does a good job there but um, yeah, he just seems to be in a really good groove offensively
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Two more guys I wanted to touch on before we move on to viewer questions tonight. Thomas Robinson, what did you think of him in his first start?
1: Um, I like when they don't run the offense through him, but I love love when – Major Keith. Yeah, I love his energy and his effort. You know, he's kind of – I mean, him and Tarek Black are so similar when it comes to that. I think Tarek's probably a little bit – I want to say he's a better defender, at least from what I've seen this year. Um, but I mean, Robinson, like, like I said, they're kind of the same player. They 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 constantly work hard. They play really hard. There's a lot of energy. They do a good job on the on the boards, even though they're pro- probably both a bit undersized for their position. Um, and he's got he's got just kind of a mean streak to him. I think I think Byron Scott would have loved him, but yeah. but he's like, he's Tarek Black's evil twin, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But no, his he kind of fits that. That personality of of the bench, you know, the bench comes in and it just seems like the whole energy in the building, you know, just kind of kind of lifts to another level because the the bench just has a ton of high energy guys and and you know he's one of them even though he started tonight but um, that's just kind of how he is that that motor is just constant.
0: Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with you about them. They should not run the offense through him. They should not be (laughs) having him do any dribble drives. But I also, I just thought that he brought, you know, it's cliche to say about energy guys, but he brought kind of a boost of energy to the starters. And he was clearly trying to do it, Mm -hmm. he, he got a dunk on the break to cut the lead to to cut the deficit to four in the first quarter and he started screaming and pounding his chest and it was like the most transparent like I'm out here excited you guys should get excited too that I've ever seen and it's exactly what they need from him that's what he should be doing when he's out there
1: yeah i know and and that's what i mean with like kind of the mean street tone like when he did that i was just like i just remember looking at him, i was like man i would not want to run into that dude in an alleyway like he just he just looks like a like a mean dude he's just physically uh just physically empowering uh you know and he's just kind of a physically gifted person because he's so big he's so strong and the athleticism that he has with it is uh I mean, it's pretty unique. Um, You know, obviously you'd you'd like to see him be able to round out some of his offensive skills a little more, but, uh, you know, certainly what he brings to the table has a lot of value in itself.
0: And I was, again, I think both of us, I can safely speak for and say that we were shocked when he got the start tonight, but Mm -hmm. I think that almost speaks just as much to how good that bench unit has been just Mm -hmm. to just to bring this full circle, that, that There aren't a lot of coaches that would what, be so desperate to keep their bench unit together that they would start guys like Jose Calderon and Thomas Robinson and really leave the first unit without much of a playmaker, other unless you count Nick Young, who I guess we kind of have to count <laughs> at this point. But that bench unit has been so good, and they rewarded Luke tonight. Yeah, every single bench player who played... Uh, so everyone but Marcelo Huertas, uh, pour one out for the catalyst. <laughs> but every single bench player who played was a double digits plus in the plus minus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Larry Nance Jr. plus 25, Brandon Ingram plus 12, Tariq Black plus 27, Jose uh, or Jordan Clarkson plus 22, uh, and Lou Williams plus 25. And again, plus minus isn't the most indicative stat, but it does say something that all those guys were huge pluses. And all of the starters were negatives in terms of plus minus.
1: Well, and that was the thing. As soon as, you know, the second unit came in, I mean, because the first quarter was kind of a nightmare for the Lakers. They couldn't really get stops. Uh, the Hawks were getting a lot of wide open looks. You know, defensively, it was just really bad. And then, you know, when that when they got that second unit in and really starting from the second quarter on, it just, like, it raised the, the intensity level of the team, I think, on both ends. Um and they just kind of started to figure it out and like they dominated the second quarter. And then, you know, the Hawks made some runs here and there, they made some pushes, but I mean, honestly the Lakers kind of controlled that game for three quarters. Once the, once the second unit came in, it just, it seemed to, it it was a completely different game after that.
0: Yeah, they, they were real game changers tonight. So the last guy I wanted to – we we got sidetracked, went back to the bench there, but I thought that that was worth talking about. Yeah. But the last guy that I wanted to mention tonight I think is – I joked and said that Brandon Ingram was the MVP of tonight, but I think really you have to give the MVP to Timothy Mozgov. You know, went out there, he got hit in the face again against <laughs> the Golden State Warriors on Sunday, and the Lakers are now either 3-0 and or 4-0 and in games after Timothy Mozgov gets hit in the face. So, Gary, I mean, number one, why, what do you think it is about Timo that is constantly getting him hit in the face? And number two, why do you think that that's led to so many Laker wins?
1: Yeah, I'll be able to find something with a direct correlation
0: uh, here. Yeah, I mean, you—that's what I bring you on for.
1: Every every center has to have some kind of trademark. With Roy Hibbert, it was he has to constantly fall to the ground. And with Tim, Tim Fey, you just gotta get hit in the face. You just gotta take one for the team every every now and then. And you know the Lakers were were struggling. And I guess you know once they see him get hit in the face, it's like it's like seeing uh, one of your brothers get hit. And it's like all of a sudden the Lakers get defensive and they <laughs> they just go after harder or
0: something. It, well, it takes until the next game though. <laughs> yeah. They realize they're like they're like oh wait Timo got hit last game. Let's not let them do well, that tonight. Well, Let's out physical. About first
1: him. you have to console him, and then you pounce in the next game. <laughs>
0: Okay, so no, but actually, okay, so I like this. The, the every Laker center has a uh, has a signature. So for for Hibbert, it's falling down. For Moscov, it's getting it's getting hit in the face. You know, let, let's let's run through this a little bit. For Dwight, I think it's walking around showing a stat sheet to his teammates. For um, Bynum it was the pull-up transition threes. <laughs> yeah, with for Bynum it was that or just his knowledge of where banks were in every city. Uh <laughs> And I I think I think for Shaq, I don't know what what would you say Shaq's is? If you if you when you picture Shaq, what is it? Um Oh man. I think it's I think it's just dunking on so I, it's that dunk that he had. I forget the name of the center off the top of my head, oh, uh, but where he just knocked him to the ground, pointed at him with both <laughs> fingers, and then ran back up the court. <laughs> That's, that's one of the most underrated dunks of all time. Like Shaq would just – for Shaq, I think it's just overpowering guys. It's being close enough to the rim that he can just turn and dunk on you. That was that was the thing with Shaq is that you could play amazing defense.
1: You could have three guys just jump on top of him and he would still dunk it and he would just yeah. put you through the rim. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so let, let's, let's get into some viewer questions now. I think now that we sorted out, we finally figured out why the Lakers are so good after Timo gets hit in the face. I, I think my favorite <laughs> quote from any guest of this podcast ever was when Jordan Clarkson told me, that 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 happens all the time in practice too, and that D'Angelo <laughs> Russell had just hit him in the face with a ball that morning. So like the Lakers figured out this stat, and they're just trying to capitalize it themselves. They're just like fine. Like I imagine practice is just like is just like dodgeball for Timo at this point. <laughs>
1: See, if they're ever in a game that's just completely out of reach in the fourth quarter, they just got to put
0: Timo out there and say, Timo, go get him in the face so we can win the next game. Luke and Walton, it, when Luke like we need to make sure that Luke Walton doesn't figure out this stat because otherwise <laughs> he's going to be like that guy that guy from dodgeball that's just going to be like, hey, Timo, if you can dodge a wrench, we can win it. We can't win a game. <laughs> just starts throwing wrenches at him around the practice.
1: <laughs> You're going to have Timo show up to a game just with – Both eyes super swollen, and he's just black and blue. (laughs) Yeah,
0: he's like, Luke, figure it out. (laughs) Stats, anyway. So, we'll get to some viewer questions now. Uh, we we got one about free agent targets. I don't want to talk about free agency, the team's still good. Like, let's it's not like they have one win in November again, where you know, we could talk about things that are actually related to this team right now. So, I think, uh, dangerous at fire. I, I can't say your, I, I can't say your name on this podcast uh, because I will get fined, but Danger Us on Twitter says, who has stepped up the most filling in for the injured guys? Uh, Gary, who would you say has stepped up the most for it? Because the fact that we haven't talked about Julius Randle or D'Angelo Russell at all during this podcast really shows you how well the team, the team at least played tonight in their absence. I mean, the Lakers probably would have gotten roasted by the Warriors either way. Those last two games, that, that those the Warriors looked determined to prove a point. Yeah. But who do you think has stepped up the most in the absence of those two guys?
1: This is a really good question because I don't think there's an obvious answer to it. You know, there's a like few guys that you can make a really strong case for. Um, I'm going to say Lou Williams just because I think – I mean, really, he stepped up all season. I think, honestly, if the season ended today, I think he would win – I think he would win sixth man of the year, or he'd at least be one of the, you know, few candidates for it. I mean, he's just played really, really exceptional basketball, I mean, since the season started, and it was something that we didn't really see coming. You know, he's been a lot more efficient, um, and he just seems to be, a, like, he's a consistent spark plug off the bench that he just comes out and he he's able to just – fill it up, whether it's getting to the free throw line or hitting threes, spacing the floor. And he's done a good job creating this year. And I think that's why another reason why the bench has been so good. I know we've talked about the bench a lot, but they have a lot of, uh, a lot of playmakers, a lot of guys that can create not only for themselves but create for others. And I think Lou certainly has fit that category and played really, really well this year.
0: And how weird is it to say that about Lou Williams, that he can make plays for others? But he's actually <laughs> done it this year. He loves throwing – he, he has fallen in love with the lob pass. I think somebody, mm-hmm. like, he finally this year learned how much fun that is because there's actually space to throw them. He yeah. wasn't just asked to only come in and isolate for 10 minutes until the starters came back. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and that's been a big thing with the Lakers' offense, is just having effective guys, uh, guys that can effectively – run the pick and roll like big guys, you know, with Hibbert, you couldn't count on it because you didn't know if he was going to, you know, be standing near the rim by the time he got there, or if he was just going to be
0: sliding on his, on his butt, you know, or just pop out for a pick and pop jumper that I think went in twice last year. Yeah,
1: um. <laughs> but but with like Mozgov and and Tariq Black and even Randall and Nance, like those are guys that defenses actually have to really you know rotate over to when they dive to the basket, especially Nance because you can just throw it up near
0: anywhere near the hoop and he will, he'll go get it. So and. Um, even when they don't, it, it, they have that easy pocket pass available to them that mm-hmm. Randall and Nance have been so good about using that four on three a lot, like Draymond Green does. Maybe not with the same efficiency that Draymond Green does, but mm-hmm. if they've been using them in a similar way out of that pick and uh, out of that pick and pop.
1: Yeah, they're just I think that's. I mean, we've talked a lot about you know Nick Young and, and Lou Williams, you know, guys on the perimeter. But I think you got to look at the big guys, and I mean, just you know, kind of their, their role because the Lakers have run a lot of pick and roll action and, you know, the 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 solid screens that they've set and, like I said, just their effectiveness to be able to dive to the basket or, you know, even step out and, and actually catch and shoot from 15 feet because they've got a number of big guys that are actually capable of doing that. So I think just the the big guys, even though, you know, sometimes it doesn't obviously show up in the stat sheet, I think they're creating – they're helping create a lot of space on offense.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. And you gave the serious answer, so I'm gonna default to my to my normal and just go sarcasm and I uh, say I think it's been Timothy Moskov. I think his blow to the face last game really keyed this Lakers run tonight. So shout outs to Timo. Timo seems like a great dude. I, I don't wanna say like I don't wanna sound like I'm making fun of him. I, I just think it's the most hilarious stat I've ever seen. And it, you know, it, hey, as long as it's working, I can't blame the Lakers for rolling with it.
1: You can't – there's just – there's always going to be stats that you would think would be overlooked, but people just catch everything now.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, the locked-on Lakers had it first. Must credit us. <laughs> uh, so we got this one from at RedBean107 who asks, is Randall putting his career on the line by injuring himself? So, like that seems, I would say, more like a question for Anthony because he's the one that decides when Randall's putting his career on the line by doing things like <laughs> not playing in summer league, and uh, you know, mainly just that. But so, and we'll we'll ask that one to Anthony when he gets back uh, tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. So. Uh, so we have this one from at Lakers BR 16 times. So just reminding anyone that forgot that the Lakers have won 16 championships. That is second most in NBA history, but we don't acknowledge the name of that other team on this podcast. And so realistic survival guide through 2016. So the team can reach 17 with playoff hope. Uh, Gary, what does the team have to do this upcoming month of December to, uh, yeah because their, their next game is uh, in December, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. I am looking at a calendar. this is riveting radio. Okay, so they got one more game in November, but after that, uh, what you know what is the, what do the Lakers have to do to survive the rest of this year and get into 2017 with playoff hopes?
1: I think the key thing for them is beating the teams that they should beat. And it feels weird saying that about a team, you know, that we've seen be at the bottom. The one
0: seventeen games last <laughs>
1: year. Yeah, be at the bottom of the league for a couple of years now. But you know, when they go up against the the Philadelphia 76ers or the Phoenix Suns, like those are the types of games that now they've got to win consistently because those are the ways. I mean, you rack up wins. I think it was the Rockets either. I think maybe two years ago or last year, one of these recent years, they, they really struggled against all the other West playoff teams, but they beat the teams that were in the lottery. Like they were just consistently beating all of them and racked up a ton of wins that way. And the Lakers are are capable, obviously when they're fully healthy, especially of beating some of these top teams, you know, we saw them beat the Warriors. Um, They beat the the Hawks twice. (laughs) And you know, they, they hung with the Spurs. So, uh, I mean, I think the key, though, is, is yeah, consistently winning the games that you're supposed to win. Like, the, you look back at, like, the Dallas loss now, and that, that's one that sticks out. It's like that's one you'd want to have back. Um, yeah. But, but, no, and especially if they can win home games because they've been pretty good at home this year. And, you know, if they can – like, if they can get 25 – I'd say if, if they can get 25 wins at home and go 25 and 16 – you know, that's, I mean, that's pretty good. You might have to do better than that to make the playoffs in the West. You never know. But, um, you know, if they can be a really good home team and and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat consistently, I think, yeah, then you can probably think they
0: they would at least have a shot
1: at at maybe
0: the seven or eight seed. Uh, Yeah. And then, so I think the, let's go through the kind of upcoming calendar a little bit. So on Tuesday they play the Pelicans as part of the first game in a four and five night stretch. And, the Pelicans are terrible, but they have Anthony Davis and good lately, though. yeah. And the Lakers are on the road. <laughs> well, actually they weren't that good tonight. Alvin Gentry's press conference apparently consisted of him saying we got outplayed multiple times and then ending it. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, maybe not a great, great for them, but Hey, they're the fl- spin zone. They're going to be motivated going into this game on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, and so they're at home. The Lakers are on the road. You, this is a young team. You can't, necessarily chalk that one up as a win just yet but that is a winnable game then the next night they play the Bulls on the road again they just got beat by the Bulls it's the second game in two days that's going to on the road that's going to be tough and then they get a day off on Thursday before going Friday against the Raptors who are good and better than the Lakers and then Saturday against the Memphis Grizzlies for again the fourth game in five nights so that's a tough stretch and that, but after that, they play the Jazz and the Rockets, and so those are two good teams. The Lakers may not be able to win those, but then they have a five-game stretch against the Suns, Knicks, Kings, Nets, and Sixers, which. I mean, if the Lakers want to stay in playoff contention, that has to be four and one. Right. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Was that you got to win at least four of of those five? Because
1: we saw kind of the I think it was a six game stretch after their first six games where they had a lot of winnable games, and I think they went I want to say four and two. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, that's good. You know, they've they've got to like that's kind of what they have to do against those teams that they can definitely beat, you know, where they don't necessarily have to play their best. Where like if they play San Antonio, they they've got to bring their A game if they want any chance to to win. Um, but you know, they can you know, they can make mistakes against some of those teams and still still win just based on you know, kind of the the talent that they have this year and the depth. Um but yeah, no, this 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 stretch that they're on in their schedule is really, really tough. So I mean if they can kinda of survive that and then start to beat up on some of these teams that they should beat, you know, it's gonna it's gonna say a lot.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then so after that they play and so the Kings, Nets Uh, And Sixers are all on the road, and then they go on the road and they play the Cavs. I'm just gonna say that's a loss. Uh, LeBron always (laughs) destroys the Lakers, and he, you know, maybe without Kobe there, he won't be as motivated too. But I'm. I'm not convinced that is a winnable game unless the Sixers hit Timo in the face on <laughs> Friday, the game before. Otherwise, Then it's guaranteed, but other, otherwise, I, I think I'm not willing to say that's a winnable game for the Lakers. Uh, then they play the Hornets and the Heat and the Magic all on the road. The Hornets and the Heat are, uh, are, are okay. The Magic are really bad. The Magic should definitely be a winnable game, even, but it is the last game of a long road trip. So Mm -hmm. who knows? Weird stuff can happen there. And then they come home to play, they open up their Christmas present, and it's the Clippers. So that's not great. Um, (laughs) And uh, that's essentially the schedule maker's equivalent of giving you a bag of coal. And (laughs) then they play the Jazz and the Mavs to close out the month. And the Mavs should definitely be a winnable game. The Lakers lost the first game to the Mavs because they played terrible and Harrison Barnes went off. But the Mavs are really bad. That should be a winnable game.
1: Yeah, no, there's there's a few, obviously, you know, a handful of winnable games in that stretch. And you kind of hope that they can start to string together some wins and, and, and really just kind of get better as the season goes along. You know, I know Anthony had talked about, I think, the last time we're, we're on – kind of how they would adjust the teams, you know, kind of being able to scout them better, having, you know, them on film, seeing kind of some of the things that they run, some player ten- tendencies and stuff like that, and kind of how the Lakers would react. So that's going to be a big part of it. But, you know, if they can keep, like I said, they keep stringing these wins together and just kind of keep improving, keep getting better, um, you know, then that's going to
0: help really rack up those wins yeah i I think so too hundred percent. and so I, I mean we, that was that was we went through the schedule. I think there's a chance the Lakers could maybe still kind of be in the hunt. I'm still not willing to call them a playoff contender yet. Mm-hmm. I, I think we have to see how they do on the rest of the this next like four games and five night stretch. I think because that could potentially really be a like not a death blow for their playoff cont- chances, but that could be like really harmful. Uh, that one could hurt. And the, again, the thing that we're overlooking here, not talking about, is they have to get Russell and Randall back. They aren't, I mean, as good as the bench has been, they need playmakers in that starting lineup. They aren't going to be able to survive against every team without Russell and Randall out there. And you really saw that. The Warriors, again, are a really good team. They probably would have beaten the Lakers anyway but those starters just like they could get nothing going against the Warriors. And, uh, you know, you really, you just need some playmakers out there and that's what Russell and Randall are. They can go and get their own shot and they can create a shot for someone else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If they're not able to get healthy and stay healthy, I mean, I think the playoffs is kind of one of the last things we should think about just because especially, especially with Russell and Randall, because as you, as you said, those are the two best playmakers that they have in that starting lineup
0: arguably their two best players overall.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, the, I mean, the fact they were able to get a win tonight I think was huge against a good Hawks team that for some reason the Lakers seem to play really well against. I don't know
0: why, but, um, no, it's – yeah, if you've got to get those. Ben, man, he's really <laughs> mad still at the Hawks for trading him.
1: Well, we had to, we had to give a loss to all the former Lakers, uh, you know, with Moore and Dwight Howard and Ryan Kelly even is over there. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> may, may, the, yeah, the Hawks really aired by not letting Ryan Kelly have his revenge game.
1: <laughs> that was, I was my very worst. Much nightmare. Looking
0: forward to the Ryan Kelly revenge game.
1: I was my worst nightmare was Ryan Kelly hitting a three at the buzzer <laughs> to win the game.
0: You no, know, hey, a dunk. You know how Ryan Kelly does at the buzzer. He showed us in preseason last year. He takes it to the hole, man. <laughs> All right. This, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Gary, I, I really, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, your ability to not be Anthony and, uh, just, you know, thank you for bringing us your insight and I hope to have you back on throughout the season. That's the,
1: that's the best compliment I think I've, I've gotten. <laughs> yeah. You
0: put it on, put it on, Hey, put it on LinkedIn. I'll endorse it. Not being Anthony. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, as always, you can find Locked On Lakers on iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Audio Boom, TuneIn, and I think I said Stitcher already, but this is why Anthony does these. <laughs> Use the promo code LOLAKERS to get a $20 rebate on your first ticketing purchase at SeatGeek, the best and easiest mobile application to buy to buy and sell your tickets. And we will talk to everybody tomorrow. I, I believe Anthony will be back, and I believe we may have a guest with both of us. Although we'll see if Anthony ends up blocking me from another interview. Thanks for listening, everyone.